Amen. Well, let's, uh, you guys ready for the, you guys ready for the second installment of uh, Tom's Word today? Man, is anybody anticipating the second installment of the Word of God today? Okay, amen. Let's, let's, uh, well, we'll go ahead and release uh, Flip 180 at this time. You guys can be released, and we'll uh, turn it over to Tom. Pastor Tom has a good word, and uh, it's God's preparing us. So I really want to encourage you. I, I, I wanted to share this even with my kids before they got here. Is I really feel like you really need to pay attention to the word of the Lord today. Um, it's every day we need to, but I, I just pray that your attention, and I pray, Father, that you would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation right now over the preaching of your word. Anoint Tom, Father, to empower to bring forth your word, that it penetrates and breaks off strongholds and ways of thinking so that we might know you more. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. All right, we're not allowed to have fun anymore. It's time for preaching. <laughs> it is. It's to be a delight. Amen. Amen. Um, so last week, if you weren't here or you didn't get on the podcast and get to hear the message, last week I, um, I talked about um, the negative um, things that we say about ourselves when it comes to our, um, how we see ourselves as learners, as readers, as those who, um, how we think about education, how we think about ourselves in how education, in our educational experience. And, and then I, I also talked about the labels that we put on ourselves when it comes to learning and reading, you know, uh, the thing I've heard over and over, over and over and over since the 17 years that we started this church. I'm not a reader. I hate to read. I hate school. I hated school. I'm done with that. I'm glad it's over. I don't want to have to ever go to do anything again that's to do with school. And so those, were, those, those statements that we make, they have an effect on us. And, and when we say those things enough, and when we declare those things enough, especially um, when you're a Jesus follower, as you declare those things, you say those things about yourself, you start cursing yourself. I hate reading. I'm not good. I'm not book smart. All those things, those are all lies. Amen. Lies that were uh, learned, figured out, discovered through your elementary or junior high or high school experience. Hating to read, hating education, that's something you learned. And so last week I really wanted to deal with that. I really wanted to hit that hard. Because I, I just I feel that it is absolutely essential that before we learn kind of the skill set of how to study the Bible or love the Bible or read the Bible in meaningful um, ways that, that we, we first, we have to deal with those lies about ourselves. Those lies of, of, of learning and reading and education because, because they have a way of, of shaping your identity. And if you see yourself as I, I'm not a reader, guess what you're not going to do a lot of? Reading. <laughs> it's just fact. So your identity, the way you see yourself, affects all of your behaviors. I'm not smart, so I'm not going to put myself in any kind of position or, or posture myself in any kind of way that might prove what I already think about myself, and that is I'm dumb. But if we can break those lies, which is what we did last week in, in, in a small degree, if we can deal with that garbage, 
Then when you get in those positions where you're here to learn the Word of God, you can actually be positive about that experience. Even in spite of the difficulty that it may have. Hey, I'm a reader. I wasn't always a reader. I hated reading just like all of you in high school. I never read a single book. Cheated on every test in English I could. Cheated. Hardcore. I have some skills I could show, but I won't. (laughs) Because I'm here to bring light, not darkness. But I got skills with the cheating. But I love it now. But you know what? Even as a guy who now loves the Word, who loves to read, who has an identity as a reader, as a lover of of books and words and and the meaning and truth of God, guess what? Sometimes I read stuff that I still don't get. It's still hard for me sometimes. It's still a job sometimes. But because I see myself as a guy who knows how to go after something, guess what I don't do? I don't quit. So your identity has everything to do with whether or not you're going to actually take the time to get into the Bible. Amen? And so so we kind of finished last week with with praying um, the broken arrow. (laughs) You were close. Broca's area, which is this part of your brain. There's a... there's a, it's a broken arrow for Mike, you know. Remember Steve Martin when he used to have the arrow through his head? It was, it, we, we prayed over an area that actually exists. It's called Broca's area, and it's right up here near, near your temple. And this is where language skills are developed. Vocabulary, the ability to, to find that word. You know, have you ever seen uh, or maybe done it, and you, you're trying to think of a word, and you go, think. Think. Well, guess what you're doing? You're trying to tap that part of your head. Come on. You're in there. I know you are. Yep. But we prayed over that. Amen. And I actually heard some testimony of some really cool things that happened. Now, Carmen, I don't see you. Are you here? She's out in the hall. Okay. She's probably hot and heavy in a conversation. Ask her if she has a sweet moment to share the testimony that she had experienced. Um, but I know there was some breakthrough for some of you. As we, as we prayed over that part of our head, or even our children, if you're a parent, because we had Camp Grizzly in here because our, it was closed. Um, Carmen, come on down if you wouldn't share your testimony real quick. Um, but Grant was in here, and so um, I believe Karma and Scott were able to pray for him and share what just kind of what you felt were some breakthrough. Sorry. That was amazing, <laughs> wasn't it? Amen. That's freedom. Okay. My son got some freedom, which I'm really excited about. Um, Grant, we have homesch- I have homeschooled him up to um, his fourth grade year, and this year we decided... After Christmas to put him in, the Lord's just sending our arrows out. And um, I, the Friday night before last Sunday's service, I was just praying for him. And, and I said, hey, buddy, think about a few things you want me to pray for. Because I'm going to go, I'm going to put the other ones to bed, I'm going to come back. Or pray for him. Because I could tell that he was anxious about our decision. And he would verbalize that. And so I came back and he said, Mom... I just want confidence. I just want confidence in my, in my academic skills. And, you know, we have a history of he didn't talk till he was three. He had, you know, so he had some issues there. And then we put him in some other things. And he's so grown. And he said, the second thing I want, Mom, is I want to walk with the Holy Spirit every day. And so that was the release on me. I'm like, you're going to public school, buddy. You're fine. You're good. And you're going to be, your light's going to shine bright. So Sunday, he starts talking about the, um, the brochia area. Yeah, because it ain't broken no more. That's how you can remember it, brochia. 
it ain't broken no more, that part of your brain. Um, but it's the left side of your brain he started talking about. It, and it's all about speech development and and communication and language. And, and that's the part of your brain. that. So we prayed over that part. Of, my husband and I prayed over um, the left side of Grant's brain. And the whole message, I was like, wow, this is so timely. Because he wasn't even in public school his whole life, but he believed negative thoughts. And I, I didn't put those negative thoughts in his brain. He did. You know, the enemy did, and he allowed it. And it was by comparison of his sister, who academics came very easily to. And so um, that was broken off, and we've just been speaking positive words over him. And I have never seen this kid focus so intense. I am not kidding you. He comes home, sits at the table, does his homework, and I mean, he is on fire for math. He loves it, and and um, he had a lot of tests on Friday for the first week. He, you know, Friday is the big test day, and. Um, we studied his vocab words. It took me two minutes to study his vocab words. I'd say the first two sentences of the vocabulary definition, he'd say the word. First three words, say the word. I'm like, oh my, this is awesome. And spelling is another issue when you have language issues. Spelling is also. He got 100% on his vocab. I checked his grades on Friday. He got, he missed one on his spelling test. I mean, he is just rocking it. I'm like, and confidence is soaring. So thank you for your obedience because my son is confident or he's gaining confidence. Oh, you don't need that. Praise the Lord. That is so awesome. Thank God for breakthrough. Amen. Amen. Thank God for power. We just don't have to be victims. I love it. So today I want to continue to confront some, some lies or um, kind of... I'm going to talk about four reasons why a lot of people say they don't read the Bible. Um, and I want, to, I want to address this because, again, I, you know, we, we put so many obstacles in front of ourselves... It's ridiculous. We put so many things, whether we even think that this is a good thought I have. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a self-defeating thought, even though it sounds like a, maybe a good thought. But there are so many things that we put in, in the way of us being lovers of God's word and, and readers of God's word. And so today I just I want to hit four, four big ones that I believe are, are something that maybe you at some point have said or thought or you know somebody who maybe said or thought this. So, so the first one that I want to I really address is um, why people don't read their Bible is, is because they, they say, I go to church on Sunday. I don't read my Bible because I go to church most Sundays. Now, believe it or not, probably not in here, there are a lot of places with full of church people who believe that. So a, a reason that some Christians are neglecting their Bible is, is by thinking that they're listening to weekly, that, that as they listen to just the weekly sermon, that it's sufficient. I mean, really, isn't that what I'm paid to do anyway? Is to read the Bible for you and regurgitate it for you, right? No, that's right, no. I mean, and here's the thing, you know, I love it when people listen to my sermons, but, but there's something wrong if you believe this. If the Word of God is actually coming with power each week, it shouldn't just satisfy your hunger. It actually should be creating more hunger for you. I mean, seriously, I would feel like a failure if, if, if you guys, if I heard from you, because of your preaching, Tom, I don't need to read my Bible. I would feel like a failure. And, you know, to the people who say, you know, the sermon is all I need, my question, I guess, would be, is that all you want? Why isn't the meal that you're getting on Sunday um, wetting your taste for more on Monday? Why not? 
And it, it seems to me like we've got two issues here. <clears throat> One being, how much of the Bible do we need? And, and the other being, how much of the Bible do we want? So let's talk about that second question. How much of the Bible do we want? Why would we only want one passage a week or a couple of scriptures a week? Especially coming just from someone else. I mean, because to me, it's like saying, you know, I'm in love with my sweetheart, which happens to be my wife. I'm in love with my sweetheart. She writes me every day. But I'm just, I would just like to read her letters like once a week. And then I think what I would like is to have someone else read it, all the other letters and then just kind of give me the gist of it. You know? Well, let's make it real practical. Let's get it to texting. You know, I love it when my wife texts me things like, I love you, or hey, hot stuff, or <laughs> married people things, you know? <laughs> but really, I mean, when, when you, if you have that attitude that Sunday's enough, it would be like, you know, she's texting me all this stuff, but I hand it to someone else, and I go, hey, just give me the gist of what she just said. Because I really don't want to waste my time reading through all this information she has to communicate to me. It's really a bother. It's a burden. Well, here's what I want to say. I want to say that, guess what? Your Bible... It is an unparalleled love letter to you from God. In fact, in Psalm 119, verse 103, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste. They're sweeter than honey to my mouth. I mean, it, it wouldn't... It wouldn't make any sense for the psalmist to say, you know, I get a spoonful of honey on Sunday, and that's all I need. That's plenty. I don't want any on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. Just a little honey on Sunday is all I need. No, and instead, what, what the psalmist tells us in verse 97, he says, he says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it. I meditate on it all day long. Everybody say that with me. All day long. Let's do that one more time. All day long. I love your words, God, and I think about them all day long. Psalm 19 verse 10 says, They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. And then there's this one I shared last week, Proverbs chapter 2. In verse 4 it says, If you look for it as silver, and you search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God. Does anyone want to know about God? you got to look for that. I can't give you enough for you to gain the kind of knowledge of God that you require to live successfully. Do you hear what I just said? I can't give you enough on this 30 to 40 minutes that I've got. I can't give you enough to fulfill the need your spirit has for the knowledge of God. That's why you've got to meditate on it all day long. So why do we only want one little glimpse of this beauty? Why do we only want just a taste of honey? 
Why do we only want one small deposit of silver into our account? Why do you only want to read just a couple of lines from the love letter from the guy who created the universe? You know, I can say from experience and from history and from the Bible, every Christian needs more spiritual food than one meal a week. That doesn't work physically. <laughs> Try eating one meal unless you're fasting. One meal a week. It doesn't work physically and it does not work spiritually. And because temptations are too relentless. It's because doubts are too frequent. It's, it's because Satan is too active. Tribulations are too heavy. Conflicts are too many. Emotions are too volatile. Perplexities are too difficult. Faith, hope, and love are threatened every day that you live on this earth. And to think that you can deal with these negative attacks from the enemy all week long simply from one little thing you got on Sunday morning is simply ridiculous. I can't do it. I'm sure you couldn't either. The Bible is an unparalleled love letter to us, the people of God. The second reason I hear why sometimes people don't read the Bible is because I hear it's irrelevant to my life. Just doesn't seem to really have any bearing on me. And this is a very common hang-up. <clears throat> you know, a lot of Christians neglect the Bible because it just doesn't seem relevant in their average day of life or school or work. So why do I need to read this every day? I just don't get it, why, how it connects. Well, one thing that I... I know in response to this question, and then there's, there's one thing that I, I don't know. What I, what I do know is that the Bible is relevant to a person's average day where they live, where they work, where they learn. What I don't know is what are your personal goals in life and work. And the reason that it matters, what your personal goals are, the reason that matters is that you can have goals at work or in life which will put you so out of sync with the Bible that you find the Bible to either be annoying or condemning or boring. Did you hear what I said? I know the Bible is relevant. I don't know what your goals are. But it matters. If you have goals that are so out of sync with what the Word of God teaches that you will find it confusing or boring or condemning. Because it's teaching, the Bible's teaching runs in a different direction from the direction you might be going. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 31, it says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. How many ate your breakfast this morning for the glory of God? Oh, Jesus. May this oatmeal bring light and glory and magnification to you. 
everything, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Ephesians 6, verse 7, it says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. So here's some questions again I want to ask you. Are you ever tempted to grumble or complain at work? Well, guess what? Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 is relevant to you. And it shows a very glorious way to live without grumbling. Let me ask you this. Are you ever tempted to brag, boast, or draw attention to yourself? The Bible is full of wisdom about pride and humility and the effect it has on all your relationships. Here's one. Are you ever tempted to be angry with someone? Do you deal with temper issues? Are there strained relationships because you are frustrated with other people? I'm sure we'll all say no because I just took care of all that this morning, Pastor Tom. <laughs> I've forgiven all and I've been forgiven. I live in total peace and copacetics with everyone. <laughs> well, for those of you who maybe still might get angry this week, did you know the Bible is relevant to you? Amen. The Bible deals over and over again with the issue of anger and its effect on you as a person. Here's a question. Are you ever tempted sexually with lust? Well, guess what? The Bible is relevant to you. It's full of relevant material on a very robust view of sexuality that puts it all in wonderful perspective and a proper place. Here's one. Are you ever tempted to feel sorry for yourself? You know, to lick your own wounds because someone either spoke ill of you or you got passed over, you didn't get invited. Did you know the Bible's relevant to you? It has wonderful advice on how to deal with self-pity. I'm getting my Mike Brown on. It slips every now and then. Are you ever tempted to interrupt the preacher on a Sunday morning? <laughs> For this grievous sin, the word has much to say. Here's one. Are you ever tempted to talk about someone at work or school in a negative way? Well, the Bible is chucked full of things about gossip and slander and backbiting. And my last question is, is are there lost people at your job or your school that you care about that you don't want to go to hell? Where are you going to get the help you need to deal with giving them hope? Where are you going to get that kind of wisdom? 
Where are you going to find even the strength or the courage or the boldness to be able to go up to someone and share the love of the gospel with? There's only one place you can find that. It's the Word of God. The Bible is relevant for your life, for your work, for your education. But it really comes down to this. Do you really want to behold and see the greatest treasure in the universe? Do you desire to know Jesus and enjoy Jesus more than anything? Do you love people so much that you hurt over the fact that they don't know Christ and they will be lost without Him? That's the question. If if Jesus really is supreme in your life, if He is the passion and it is your passion to know Him above all, if your passion is to desire Jesus and enjoy Him and treasure Him more than anything, and your passion is to bring as many people to Christ as you can, then you can't live without the Bible. It is the most relevant book on this planet. So don't have goals that are so out of sync with the Word of God that it becomes boring to you. Can someone say amen? Amen. Number three. This one I hear a lot as well. I don't read my Bible because I don't have time. This is a very... Common struggle that I realize a lot of people face. So here's what I do. I do best. I'm going to ask you some questions. And this one, these aren't rhetorical. You can actually raise your hand. How many people own a smartphone? Raise it. Smartphone being I can get on the internet with it. I can do things that are smart. It makes me stupid, but I can do smart things with it. How about a a tablet or a computer at home? You know, any anyone have access to the internet at some point in your life? Does anyone not have access to the internet? Leela. Okay, sweetie, you're the only hope this church has. We will look to you to lead the way. (laughs) Listen, here's the thing. Statistics show that Americans spend an average of 15 to 23 hours a week on the Internet for leisure purposes only. For some, that is too low. That's not including work-related time. It It is time spent just surfing, Facebooking, shopping, social networking. It's your Twitters and your Instagrams and your Pinterests. Reading email, whatever. 15 to 23 hours a week doing that. That's about two to three hours a day. You are reading for entertainment. So basically what this is saying is that we all are really readers. We are readers. And we've got plenty of time to read whatever we want. So with that alone, I go, why do you think you don't have enough time to read the Bible? Well, here's what I believe is the reason why. It is because you don't have a plan to read your Bible. I mean, we we may say things like, oh, I I plan to read the Bible today, 
But is that a plan? Everybody say that together. No. no. That is not a plan. That is a good intention. <clears throat> See, a real plan, it involves a predictable behavior that others could possibly observe and measure. Others. Everybody say others. Because I'm like, I'm, this is going to be important. See, a good plan involves some W's. And you might want to write these down. And there's four of them. Who, what, where, and when. Now, I know the, the studious among you are going, you forgot how and why. No, I didn't. I don't need those. Who, what, where, and when. So when it comes to having a plan to read the Bible, let's go through our four W's. First of all, who? Well, if you're talking about personal Bible reading, then the who is you. It's you. Now, listen to this, though. If your plan is to study it with others, then the who would be you and whoever else is coming along with you. I feel like Bill Dickerson. Cuckoo, cachoo. God's for you. You're going to know who when you read true the Bible through. So, the who part's important. It's you, possibly others. Make sure those others know that they're involved in your plan. <clears throat> so, now we ask, what? What answers, what do I need to read or study my Bible? Now, for most people, that includes a Bible. Either an analog or a digital version, whichever you prefer. The analog being what? The paper version. It's okay. They're, they're really focused on what I'm saying here. They can't get the joke. So, so for some, it includes their Bible. For others, it includes their Bible and a journal of some sort. To write or type down the things that the Holy Spirit highlights or speaks to you. It, it may also include items like a concordance. Or maybe a Bible dictionary. Maybe some commentaries. Could include a very good Hebrew and Greek dictionary. We call those lexicons. So you can look up the deeper meaning of some of the words that you're reading about. So that's the what. The where, it's pretty self-evident. Where are you going to read the Bible? Is it going to be in bed? On the couch? <clears throat> at the library? Under a tree at the park? Where is very important to a good plan? Especially for those of us who still have a full house of little people. <clears throat> listen, moms and dads, listen. If you don't communicate and create a plan so both of you can have alone time in the Word of God, then it's probably not going to happen. <clears throat> Moms and dads, if you don't communicate to each other and create a plan so both of you can have alone time in the Word of God, then it's probably not going to happen. Usually won't happen for mom. <clears throat> so, Figure out where you're going to do it. And then the final W is when. This is where we really drop the ball. Because when I say, I'm going to read, my plan is to read today. 
That's not when. That's not when enough. <clears throat> when are you going to do Bible reading? Is it going to be at 7 a.m.? Right after lunch? At 10 p.m. when you go to bed? So here's the thing. If you do not set a predictable and repeatable time to read the Bible, you most likely will not do it. And, and listen, here, ladies, now, now your husband needs to help, but listen, you need to help your husband, okay? Listen, for the record, <clears throat> telling your husband five minutes before you go, you're going to go do your Bible study and he has to watch the kids, that's not a plan. Amen. <laughs> hey, I'm leaving now, good luck. Not a plan. You see, and here's why, because no one but you knew the win. See, a good plan involves everyone who's involved in the plan knows the plan. I know that tomorrow night at 10 o'clock, you're going to be alone. Or tomorrow at noon, you want to be alone. So that I can be a part of your successful plan. When you don't communicate the win to anybody, you're setting no one up for success. Amen? So to have a successful plan for anything, you've got to know who, what, where, and when. And other people must know those answers as well if they're involved with helping you be successful. And once you have all those pieces figured out and agreed upon with whoever needs to help, then you can go to uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. In other words, commit to the Lord that you'll be a lover of His Word and a reader of His Word, and God will establish the plan that you've set forth, the plan that you've set in motion. Amen? Amen. All right, last reason, number four. <clears throat> I don't read my Bible because I find it confusing. So what about those who simply find the Bible dreadfully hard <clears throat> to understand? Well, I'm just going to give you some very practical tips to kind of help that for you. First of all, make sure you have a modern translation of the Bible that's readable. I know your grandma gave you the 1611 version of the King James Bible. Keep it in a glass box on display for generations to see. But go out and buy yourself an NIV Bible or an ESV, English Standard Version Bible. <clears throat> you know, I was <clears throat> talking to a person just the other week about um, that they were struggling with a passage in Ephesians and they were like, I couldn't figure out what this passage meant. And so, <clears throat> so what she did is she went to the Message Bible to help it kind of clear it up for her. And it did. She was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So having a good, easy-to-read translation of the Bible is so important to you getting to the understanding of what the Bible says. Second, <clears throat> this is really important. In fact, we preached about it all last year. Make sure you're in a relationship with someone who can explain passages from the Bible to you. In fact, I'm going to read a really famous story about this. In Acts chapter 8. Verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. <clears throat> this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. 
And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. A spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. And the guy said, well, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. <clears throat> and here's the passage of scripture he was reading. It says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer's silence, so he did not open his mouth. <clears throat> in, him, in his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, he said, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. And as they traveled along the road, <clears throat> they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. See, this guy needed someone to help him understand the Bible. And every one of us are at a different place where we could benefit from having a relationship with someone who can help you understand the Bible. It's important that everyone have someone in their life who can help explain what the Bible means. Amen? Number three, <clears throat> get a good study Bible. Again, NIV has a great study Bible. The English Standard Version has a study Bible. Because here's what's going to happen. When you buy a study Bible, <clears throat> there are notes at the bottom of the page that help answer a lot of some of the puzzling questions that you might have as you read through these scriptures. So again, get a study Bible. It's going to be really, really important. <clears throat> Number four, take your time reading carefully. Maybe you sit down and you write it out, that just that passage of Scripture. Now, I don't mean, you know, write out long stories from the Old Testament. <clears throat> I mean, if you're stumbling over a verse or a paragraph, maybe in the Gospels, <clears throat> or one of Paul or Peter's letters, you know, just, just write it down. Just write it by hand. And then <clears throat> write some questions you have about it. Who is this talking about? That's what the eunuch asked. How does this apply to me? You know, try to be more specific than what does this mean. Fifth, another thing that I love to do a lot, <clears throat> searching online for help or insight. I mean, I have come across excellent blogs or articles on a specific subject that have helped me to enlarge my understanding <clears throat> of specific Bible verses. I love it. I'll go, oh my goodness, I never saw it from that angle, or that makes so much sense. And then lastly, pray. Pray. Ask God to give you light. You know, God really does love making His Son known to us. He really enjoys it. <clears throat> He's not, you know, interested in holding back from you the light that He gave with His Son. I mean, God sent Jesus into the world at the cost of His own Son's life. So that Jesus could be known and loved by us. You know, even Jesus himself, he said that he was sending us the Holy Spirit. 
And he said that the Holy Spirit would actually teach you. That the Holy Spirit would remind you of what God has said. So I want you to put your faith in that promise. Because it's a promise from Christ to you. The guy who gave his life so that you could sit in here today and experience what you're experiencing. He said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. He'll teach you and he will remind you what I've said. And if you will sit down when you open your Bible this week, Say, oh, Holy Spirit, show me the truth. Open my eyes to see. I want to know you better. I want to understand what you have for me. If you will pray that prayer this week, I guarantee you will see things you've never seen. You'll hear things you've never heard. And you'll become something that you never dreamed you could become. You can't live without your Bible. It is the most relevant book on the planet. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that it is your greatest desire to make Jesus known to us through your written word. God, I pray this week that as we become hungry for the word of God as a people, that you would satisfy us day after day, but also create more hunger day after day. God, I thank you that you're growing us up. That we're not going to be satisfied with milk in this place any longer that we are going to be people who go after the meat of the Word of God. So, Father, I pray that this week, as we as your people, create a plan to be in the Word, that, God, you would bring success to that which we commit to you. I thank you, God, for all the things you've spoken to us today. And, Lord, we expect to hear more from you Monday through Saturday of this week. We thank you for that, God. We love you for it. We bless you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Next week I'm going to talk about how the fivefold teacher Jesus blesses us in many ways. God bless you.